this week on Grip and Grin. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish in the spring, you feed him for a few months. However, if you teach a man to fish year-round, you feed him for a lifetime. Listen along as the team braves the harsh winter months of New England fly fishing. Success would be an understatement. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Grip and Grin. Here we are. Man, <laughs> throwing this out like parade candy. I you know. know. We've just been... Uh, we just, I we've mean, been dialed in. Yeah. And this episode is the one I've been most excited to record because this one's jam-packed to the brim. Would you say this is the uh, regional championship or would this be the Super Bowl? This would be the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, Want to talk about... Starting off the year hot. Uh, you couldn't get much Starting better. Starting off 2023 hot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could not ask for a better start to this year. It There's a lot to unpack. But as always, check out other pods. Check out the Instagram. Got a lot of photos coming up. And now after this one coming out, I'll be able to just free flow with all these photos from the fall late summer this winter like there's a lot that's happened we've been probably our most successful winter as hands uh, down. well with respects to fly fishing yes yes that's what i mean and we've we've gotten a lot done and hope to get a lot more in and this is just in january this is the start of january so i want to talk about just again just starting off the year right and we uh we have the stars aligned once again and I feel like this just we've been lucky. We've, Mother Nature's like, you know what? I gave you guys five inches of rain. I gave you fifteen, almost sixteen thousand CFS in uh, <laughs> in the spring. I'll treat you right. And she sure did because yes. we had for the first time ever a two day outing in Mass, not just an overnight for a yeah. one day fish. We you came down the night before. Yeah, we, we hung out, watched him play off football. Great football games, by the way. Oh, yeah. Good Absolutely amazing. Uh, wow. One was an okay game. and No, one, no, they were both good yeah, games. Yeah, those were both good games. That's right, they were play, yeah, 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 yeah. They so were both good games. We were, we were spoiled for this weekend. We had the whole weekend in front of us, and uh, previous pod, we talked about my solo outings where I caught uh, some bigger browns, Yeah, and those will be up on the Instagram by now. Um, we, I've learned a lot over the past two years of fishing this river, you you can fish low flows and it's great fishing, but it's also great fishing when it's high flows. And we're talking mm-hmm. low flows around, let's say 200, 300 CFS, high flows being around 1,500. And your average flow is typically at what, eight to 1,000? Yeah, to I, would, I would say I would say. 1,000 to 1,200 is like average. Yeah, yeah. So I've learned that this particular river, and again, we're down in Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, episode, what was it, 42. We talked about your outing uh, in the fall down to visit me. So we're on the same river, but it's now January. 
and we have higher flows, just typical running all week long, but not like crazy. It's still fishable. I've learned enough from my previous outings solo of how to fish these higher flows. And we we kick it off right on the first day, I would say. And we were driving in, and I kind of confused you because I said, all right, at this first spot, I'm going to be directing traffic. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, we're driving right now. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I'm not really going to fish this first hole because I want you to have the true mass experience. Which was very generous. It, it, that's <laughs> That's an understatement. But yeah, you were... Did you even wet a line that day? Uh, for three casts at the very end of the day, which we're not even going to really talk about. And this entire first hole, I set up my rod. We, we parked. We set up. You know, we have... Had our chill set up. We had a chill set up, and we were ready for the day. We were planning on all-day thing. We had lunch packed. Yep. We had That's right. That's everything right. we ever needed. I was ready for any hangriness to hit us. Our packs were filled with little gummies <laughs> and granola bars, Gatorade. We were ready for anything thrown at us, and the weather was pretty prime. Originally, with uh, the weather report, this day was going to be the worst of the two, but that didn't end up happening. It was Where- sunny. It was sunny, but it was windy. It was windy, yes. The winds were high, yep. And the next day was supposed to have lower winds, but we uh, were at this uh, bridge pool that we've talked about before. And well, before we get into the fishing, I'll talk about our setups. Uh, like usual, we're doing a lot of stoneflies. And for this trip, I would say we put the A-plus team yeah, on, I, on our I was I was running my, my nine-foot, five-weight TFO. Um, and obviously I run in the Orvis Clearwater reel that I had on there. You know, it's a sweet setup. Got the the detection, line. detection line. We had it all greased up, ready for the day. We were running the, the two flies. If I were to catch a fish, I would throw on these two flies. And it was a patch rubbers of legs as yep. the top and then the copper stone as the bottom. And you, I remember when you first set it up too, because I mentioned this, you, what, 12 inches from top to bottom? For, for oh, for the between fly the flies, fly. yeah, it's between twelve and eighteen inches. Like we we can get into the weeds about yeah. the differences between there, but uh, as long as it's a minimum of a foot, you're good. Yeah. So Floral, fluorocarbon too. Yeah. So we're using fluorocarbon tippet because a that sinks. Yep. B uh, you can have a thinner diameter and it's able to penetrate the water column easier, so it's able to get those flies down quicker right. and stay in the strike zone for a longer period of time, and. I had my setup, which I'll dive into a little bit, but I didn't even use it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I have my nine foot four weight Reddington uh, classic trout. Uh, I had a new Lampson remix reel on it. We talked about that in the previous spot. Yes, you did. This is the first time it was on on my rod, and I haven't. I didn't even use it. <laughs> no. And I had new textured line on it, which for all of you out there with new textured line fishing in the winter. If you run your line through your hand all day, you will cut yourself badly. Well, not only that, but before I got down there, you're like, you wait till you see my line, my old line. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, you just got to wait and see. And I show up and you're like in the kitchen and you put the like light on your line, you pull it out and like the first like two, three feet, it was like cracking. Yeah, so the biggest way to uh, know if your line is going to be 
like shot, you'll visibly see cracks in it. And mine, you could feel the cracks in it. You could yeah. run your finger over it and you could see like, oh, that's bad. a sharp edge. It was bad. But so, you you didn't throw that line away. No, that line. So what I'm going to do is it's going to be on my three-way when we go into trips because one, when we're fishing those trips, you don't need a strong line. Right. We're catching dinkers to maybe a 12-inch fish. Yeah. And you're just running that line over rocks, ledges, all these sharp things. Like yeah. you don't, you don't need the nicest line and it's still a nice line. It's still a textured line, but right. you can repurpose that line. Not have to waste, you know, another hundred bucks to just get a new line on something that's only going to see a six inch fish. Right. So, yep. But so we're, um, we're working on the lower section of this river. We're working up to the bridge pool and this long pool that I've talked about before. And in the previous spot, I talked about how I caught two of my biggest trout of my life mm-hmm. in the same day <laughs> in these pools. So I knew this was going to be a hot spot. And that's why I was kind of, I was taking lead as guide mm-hmm. for this first hole. And originally, like, you know, we're going to hit this hole. We're going to hit other holes along the river and... We're just going to have a fucking awesome day. Like, you knew we were going to catch fish at that first hole. You knew. But did you think we were going to catch that many fish? So my goal, <laughs> my whole goal about you coming down that particular weekend was to have the true mass experience. And that's why when we showed up, I was like, this, you know, I, my rod was set up, didn't even unhook the flies from it. And I just had you, I was on your left hip. Because we are, the water's flowing from left to right, so we always have a forehand cast upstream. And I'm just telling you exactly where to cast, what scene to look at, what rock to look at, when to mend, when not to mend, when your indicator twitches, setting the, setting the hook on these fish. And we started to get into a couple of them on the lower pool. Not not like a whole ton, but we caught a few. And we, mar- we were able to check off the uh, first of many January trout on the fly rod. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple casts there where you were like, do you see that? Like, not the first set of bubbles, but the second set of bubbles. Like, I was getting dialed in. And we were, there was points where I'm like, okay, you cast at a 45 degree angle. Do you see at like your two o'clock, there's going to be this little seam right here. Can we get the fly up there, come through this pocket, have a few men's right here and right there? And the other thing you have to look out for is, in the winter, you're you're obviously looking for pools that are slower, right? But they're going to be shallower than you expect sometimes. So, like looking directly upstream from where you're waiting, we're only like shin deep. There's like a little ledge, and I'm like, I know they're going to be on the inside part of this ledge. So we're casting directly upstream, and that fly is going to hit us if we don't, you know, strip in that line as it's coming down. So making sure you're covering all your bases, looking at all the water in front of you, and fishing all of it before you stand in it. Like that first lower end of that pool, I mean, I really got dialed into the sense of, and we talked about this in one of our previous pods, you should go back and listen to it, but the fact that your indicator might not even flinch. And this, we talked about it in episode 42, but even more so now for this outing, which was again, early January, the takes are subtle. Yes. Extremely subtle. subtle. And you'll... There was multiple times I'll we'll get into it more later on, but it would just just slowly sink under the water. Yeah. Just like, and I'm like, set, set, set. And then you would hook into it, and there was, I mean, a couple of them. I th- Honestly, I think you mended 
Mm, yeah, it was during the men, and it was during the men, and then that shows the importance of the mend, you right? Know? Because if that if I didn't mend, there's there's slack there, and then when I go to set, like I can miss that fish. And there was times where it's like at the very tail end of the cast and the drift, you're almost ready to cast, and then you would hook into one right at the very very last second as that fly is rising in the water column, which is why you want to make sure when you're nymphing you're fishing the entire drift. You're not just worried about the first 10 feet to your upstream or if in the middle of your cast right in front of you. You're, look, you're looking at the whole 180 degrees and you're fishing that entire strike zone. And I was, uh, honestly, that that first rainbow I caught, that was a decent-sized rainbow too. Or and no, it was the, the second one I caught yes, was yeah. a decent-sized one. And I looked at you, I was like, and I told myself, I, I've never eaten rainbow. Never mm. eaten rainbow. Yep. But there was just something about it that when I brought in these fish, like the first one I caught, you're like, that's it was a beautiful colors. Like beautiful mm-hmm. colors on the first one. Release that one. Caught the second one. And I'm like, and you literally said, you go, this would be a good eating size. And I was like, but you, you knew and I knew. I didn't say it, but I'm just going... Nah, man, throw it back. And I'm glad because one, the uh, I like I keep fish, but the more I fly fish, the the less I keep. Yeah, same. And you know, I I have a respect for wild or native fish to the point now where I really don't care or want to keep them. A holdover is a little bit different, but even then, I was like. This fish has been grinding through the month of January and December yeah. and whatever. Like, let's throw it back. And then the floodgates open, and I don't mean the dam. <laughs> yeah. So we work upstream a little bit, and... Oh, but when you say work upstream a little bit, you mean, like, take two steps? Yes. Take three steps? Yeah, so we skipped, like, this, like, a 100-yard stretch to where we get to this good pool where we caught the whelp fish in the earlier pod. We talked about it. Yeah. But it was the search and destroy plus, like, covering all our bases, just grinding, and... It was full throttle, dude. We were... It, uh, I... <laughs> At one no point, words. you walked over the shore and you're like, I got to put down my rod because like netting fish was like, yeah, you were just I w- holding the net on like you were Johnny on the spot ready to go. So <laughs> what would happen was like, again, I'm still like kind of guiding you through it, telling you where to cast and mend. And at one point I was almost just standing downstream ready to net fish <laughs> one after the other. And I'm talking 15, 15 rainbows. I thought the number was at 25. I don't even know the number. Cause I, <laughs> and these aren't like dinker rainbows either. Yeah, the smallest one's 12 inches. Smallest. And what's super cool, yeah, it's plenty of holdovers. Mm-hmm. But the, I told you about this when I've caught those other two uh, wild trout. You'll know if it's wild by the head shakes. Oh, yeah. And you were able to catch a very nice, or a couple, actually, uh, wild rainbows and just beautiful fins coloring yep. everything. And they would take you for a ride a little bit. Uh, dude, every one of those fights, because I told myself when I when I was hooked into one, once again, I, I wasn't really making this a focus, but that side angle pull with the mm. rod tip, I wasn't making that a, 
a focus, I was more or less getting used to the actual fight of a rainbow, like a decent sized rainbow too. And you waiting out in front of me, trying to net them. I mean, a couple of times, excuse me, they were like swimming right towards you. And then when they saw that net, they got the fuck out dude, of there. That drag on that clear water, just, just, I mean, good runs. And like, I've, I, like I've caught fish, but like to have that back to back to back to back happen is like, all right, that's sick. And what's also cool is you talked about it on an earlier pod. This was the best practice ever. Yes. Like you were able to just, in one day, go from a little above novice nymph angler to a damn good one by the I end felt, of it. I felt like I could, I mean, I felt like I was on top of the world, obviously, at that point, but I felt just, I had it down to the details. The casts were good. The men's were great. The men's were fantastic. You got a lot better at mending over the course of two months. Yep. And then uh, it, there was a couple times, I would say there was three of those fish that I caught where I casted, and you and I both were go, we like the indicator hit the water, and we go, that, that's going to be a fish right here. And sure as shit. I remember so. there was uh, one red rock that I had you cast to, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And as I say, that's perfect, the indicator goes the indicator under. indicator <laughs> goes under. But I mean, man, I'll say this though. Out of like the 25 rainbows that I pulled from that pool, I would say I missed probably just as many. And to build off that, you caught all those rainbows and one of the best fighting fish was like a 12-inch wild brown. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely nuts how hard that fish fought. That little brown, he would, I mean, jumping out of the water, giving it a show, but also like... The runs he did, those runs were like... Legit. Legit runs. Like, zzzz, I was like, oh my goodness. And then when I saw it, I was like, it's not very big. And then I'm like, then I saw the flash and you're like, it's a brownie. It's a brownie. I was like, yep. And you're able to check off another box of getting your first wild brown down here. First wild brown. Yep. And even though it wasn't a big one, it was still probably, in my opinion, the the highlight of that day. But like I said in the recap, it's not about the, uh, it's not the size of the fish, it's the fight in the fish. Exactly. And you definitely learned that in this outing because there was almost a time that I feel like you were getting a little spoiled and you would catch like a 13 inch rainbow and you're kind of like, eh. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it was unbelievable though. That whole I I felt like one of those tuna fishermen on the back of a boat with just a hook, just throwing in the water and pulling them out. <laughs> just like, mew, mew. I mean, there was a few times where it was just like back to back to back casts. I know. And we, it perfectly, it was what I wanted exactly for you to catch all those fish, experience the, the rainbow craze that I've uh, fallen under a few times. And plus getting your feet wet with the wild browns is it was almost full full circle plus again can't say it enough january we're yeah. talking january yeah high flows not an easy time and they to were fish. actually higher than what we thought they were going to be too yeah they were um 18 i think it was a little below that like 1750 1700 yes. Yes. so and you were like it's going to be high but we could still catch fish and we raked <laughs> 
You, you absolutely <laughs> raked. It was unbelievable. And that, that kind of sums up the whole day. I was expecting us to bounce around on and the river. We just that. sat on that pool, dude. And like you said earlier, two steps. Only take two steps. You would. I knew you were like wanting to take like five or six. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're I know. slowing it down to a halt. Yeah. To the point where I have to get out of the river, warm up my feet, to then go back into net a fish. <laughs> I mean, with that hole too, it was like, why leave this hole if we're still just like catching? Why, why leave a hole to find fish when we're mm-hmm. catching fish? It's to be dumb. Like we're catching genuine wild fish here. They're good size, perfect weather. You got plenty of room for back cast. You couldn't draw it up any better. No. And we were there. All day, the whole time, the entire time, and it was. It we tra- went better than I could have ever dreamed of. <laughs> we traveled. Let's see. In the course of how many hours were we there? Four, five. Oh, at least five. We went three hundred yards. We didn't even go that far. If you get below the bridge, I measured it because I fought that brown all the way down. It was three hundred. Did we start yards. below the bridge? Yes, we. Yes, did. we did. That's right. So, but, okay. and we skipped a whole section though. You have to remember. So in that last like two, three hours, we probably moved like 40 yards. That's generous. <laughs> That's when you know the fishing is good if you're not moving that much. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. And it, and you kept looking at me, you're like, the weekend's not over. I know. Cause we had a whole nother day. We, we drove a whole back, nother day. watched some more great football and get up the next morning and the weather absolutely just shifted on us. Oh yeah, as it always does. Yeah, we it was supposed to be before, you know, before the second day. It was supposed to be the second day is going to be better, the flows are going to be better, everything about it's going to be better. Yeah, Wake up the, to snow. You said the wind was going to be down like it'll be colder but it won't be as windy. We wake up to snow. Pack up, get in the car and we snow snow when we left the apartment and you were like kind of give me the look of like i don't know dude like the roads were i know we pull out we're not even out of like my apartment complex and i like slow down on the brakes and we just slide slide five feet i'm like great (laughs) take it right out of there and i'm like just barely moving down the road i'm like okay i'm gonna take the highway, get on some major roads where there's going to be some plowing. And once we got onto the major roads, it was fine. And luckily it was because it could have, that would have sucked if we couldn't mm. go. But uh, the weather didn't really turn for the better after that because we get there and it is cold, absolutely freezing, like true winter fly fishing. Like the day before, it was almost like fall weather. Mm. We were uh, in a different mindset when we were setting up. My hands were cold. I was already cold. The river was cold. and It we, was it was going to be the grind, but it was going to be the grind of not more or less like walking, but it was grinding like... Surviving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just exactly. enduring the elements was going to be the whole battle for the day. And we started very high up on the river. And... I don't really particularly like this section because it gets absolutely slammed. This yeah. is where everyone puts their drift boats in. This right. is where everyone drives up to fish. Like, There's fish in there. I've caught fish in there. And it was just dead, absolutely dead. And the wind, mm-hmm. the wind was just shooting up the river. 
and it was almost impossible to cast. You got a couple knots in that first hole, and you were on the bank for at least yep, five, but, ten minutes. Uh, proud of myself for uh, taking the uh, rat's nest of rat's nests and getting it out. So. I mean, the day before, I was doing that all for you. It was a lot easier with all that wind. Oh, it was great. You know? <laughs> I go for a back cast, and I, I'm like, oh, it's tangled. Then I, I cast forward, I'm like, oh, it's all cleared out. <laughs> Oh, it was so nice. The, the second day, I was definitely fishing more, but yeah, you were. I, there was just not. It was just not good conditions. You would get out of the river, and I would look like a glazed donut. So every five casts, you had to clear your fly rod. Yeah, so definitely more so when you get into true winter fly fishing, your guides, they're uh, they're gonna freeze up, and you're gonna have to you break get that blocks off. of ice. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to cast, and you'll lose fish. And I'll talk about that in a later pod. But mm-hmm. it it sucks, and that's why I kind of have like my threshold is mid twenties. If we get lower than that, everything's freezing. The reel's freezing. The lines it's not even going to shoot. It's and I was talking to you. I think I was asking you. I was like, they got a. They had to have come up with a way to like make sure that doesn't happen. And you you came up with like two different ways. One was like you put like either wax or like chapstick on the like. Yeah, the so they make this paste that you can put on the eyes of your fly rod that help keep the ice down. And from what I've heard, it doesn't really work well. And then there's you even mentioned this like, oh, why don't they make a heated fly rod? Well, I've actually listened to a few pods that talk about that and. That fly rod will cost about five grand. If you <laughs> no, no, I was just say if you're fishing like almost year round with that type of conditions, might be a yeah, good it would make sense then. But but for what we're doing, absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. I'll suck it up and uh, use my frostbitten thumb to break it off. <laughs> but we uh, we fish that upper section of the river and I'm like okay like let's move we're gonna go down to the to this like sketchy bridge if, if you will yeah and sketchy I've conned bridge I have conned a lot of fish out of this hole and I'm I was telling you exactly where to stand there's gonna be like a drop off at this point there's like kind of a channel between us and you know I get below you I actually lose a decent sized rainbow it was just like in this tight current I also, also, honestly, I didn't really give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I hooked into him like, oh, it's just a holdover bow. Like, meh. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really play it that hard to really care, honestly. Right. But what was awesome was you were working above me, which is very so- rare. Yeah, and I, I, you were just going solo, and you hooked into a nice fish. It is by far one of the might be the prettiest fish I've ever caught. I'm easily, I'm easily, easily. Um, and uh, as far as my flies of choice, I was still doing the Pat's rubber legs yep. and the copper stone. Yep. And I mean, there was like a little pocket that I just I was able to thread the needle with because. The difficult part with this part of the river is that the depths fluctuate with every, with almost every cast. So, like, you're constantly adjusting your indicator. And I actually dropped my indicator down a little bit f- closer just because I was hitting bottom so much. And so, as soon as I made that adjustment, 
Oh my gosh. I think it was like the fourth or fifth cast that I, I hooked into that brown. And holy shit, dude. I thought it was a rainbow at first. But looking back, I'm like, nope, that makes sense. Like the fight was unreal. And I'm glad I was downstream because you were in a kind of a fast current right there. Yeah. And I was able to hustle up a little bit. So I was able to get into like an editing position and it would have been almost maybe you could have. There was a little pocket beneath you, but like that would have been It would have been work. You would have to drag that thing up through that current. And I was able to net this brown trout and oh my goodness. You were like, butter belly. (laughs) This thing was absolutely gorgeous. It had... All the colors you wanted, the perfect fins, and it was a good size one too. Was it a holdover or native? Nope, that was a wild brownie from that Damn. river. So, had the adipose fin. The, the fins were just absolutely incredible. And we got some the great colors. Photos oh, of the it. photos are freaking unbelievable. It's just a snake, it's a river snake. It it, was, it's, oh my God. Like, it is just a Western mass brown. That was like is. one of my. Th- one of my bucket lists is like to catch because you see pictures of browns where they're so golden, you're like, that's not real. That's not real. Like the pit, like they must have photoshopped that. Mm-hmm. But until you see it in person, it is almost like when you see something for the first time, you're just actually like, is that real? Like, is that really like happening before my eyes? It's it's incredible. Um, <laughs> This was definitely the best fish you caught on this trip, by far. Oh, hands down. Easy. It was just... Easy. And it wasn't even a monster. No. no it was a good size. It was probably what? 14? 14 inches. 14? No, I don't think it was 16 no, it was inches. Closer to 14, and I, I again, like, I would, every outing, if I caught one of those, I would be more than happy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. More than happy. And... It was cool too because that that pool gets fished a good amount, not like heavy, right? But it's still holding in that water with all that pressure going through, and you're able to trick a wild trout in a pressured area. It's just amazing. It amazes me every time. The one thing I would say with that spot too, because I was talking about the different depths and you have to constantly adjust, is especially when the water flows start to rise a little bit too, it becomes a different river when those flows rise. Because I actually had to walk across the the sketchy ass bridge. It's like a railroad, old railroad tie bridge. The railroad ties aren't even like tied down. Yep. And like when a car drives over it, it sounds like a car just driving over like, uh, like a pile of two by fours. A snowmobile bridge. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like walking across this thing. It's shaking, but I get over there, and what looks like a beautiful sandy hole is actually like a like fly fisherman's nightmare like this hole i cast it i was like this is gonna be a fucking fish right here it's gonna be it's just gonna be textbook throw that line up to my right offhand and mend the line and then it goes under and i'm like fucking let's go set and you know when you make that set and nothing happens and you're still staying there like posing for a magazine shot and you're just like that's not a fish. That's nice bottom right there. That there'd be a stick, right? <laughs> so like those sticks and branches, when that water level actually comes much higher than what it normally is, it hides a lot of stuff that you can't see. I mean, that sounds so like obvious, but at the same time, it's something that like I learned on that trip is like 
just because it looks good doesn't mean it's always good underneath. Yeah, I fished it enough to know that it is two rivers, low flow and high flows. And I know that there was a stick there. And I we and you fucking let me struggle, you son. Of- well, I want to say this: <laughs> we didn't talk about the end of the first day, but I will say this one little tidbit. At the very end, there was this log in this pool, and you're like, "Have you cast it to the other side of this log?" I'm like, "I know that there's going to be a branch going out." This and, is facts, folks. And I didn't cast over in there because I just kind of had a feeling you're going to catch bo- uh, catch the log right there. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, you just got to try it. At first cast. Literally, first cast. Stuck. (laughs) So, like, that's all comes with experience, too. Like, I kind of know the major logs in the river, the major boulders, the major runs and whatever. And when you're going out, you're going to run into these, like, kind of ruts where you're just going to have knots happen. You're going to have wind knots, lose flies, catch bottom, catch trees, catch bushes. But the more you go to that spot, the more you're going to know, like, Look behind me. I know there's a tree right there. Oh, when I'm water loading, there's a stick right there. Like, make sure my fly is around that. I would point it out to you the first day. Like, oh, there's a stick up here. Make sure you don't hit that. Or yep. just being really observant. So you're not going to have a bad day on the water. That's happened to me plenty of times where, you know, I'll start out the day hot and then it'll be a wind knot, lose a fly on a rock. And not I, even not even necessarily casting either. Like, if you're fishing that pool or that vicinity and you hook into a fish, you know there's a stick over there. You know you strategically mm-hmm. got to like work that fish away from that area too. And the other thing you got to think about is if you've never been to like a hole where you're fishing in this river, you have to approach it so delicately because there's been so many times, so many times where I'm fishing this particular hole and I'm like, I should have not rushed and I should have been 10 feet down and fished this whole little pocket and then worked up slowly instead of just running in like a fucking kid in a candy store. I'm like, hey, here I am. That's me right now. <laughs> and that definitely happened to you when you're on the other side of the sketchy bridge. Like, oh, good hole. Let's just run in yep. and not really like approach it from like a systematic point of view where you're going to just dissect this entire spot. You always say to cast it like a clock. Exactly. Work across, work up, work up, work directly upstream, take a couple of steps. And the second day after that was exactly that, but a grind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we worked down to this, uh, the long pool, I call it. And this is where I caught my first big brown ever in March of 2022. This hole, very underrated. Not a lot of people fish it. But the one thing I noticed... We were there, and I'm like, the water seems a little higher than it normally is. Yes. And when I went back to look, we were running at over 1,800 during that time frame. Was it like 1,870? It was almost 2,000. Yeah. So that high flows, I would say, are above 1,500. We're talking like very, very high flows. And at the moment, I didn't know, but I we saw these big beaver chews coming down. Yeah. Size of like a baseball bat. Yep. And we were working this long pool. Long story short, not a lot happened there. No. But it got cold. It was cloudy. And you had a drive back to Maine, and you had to beat a storm. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we were at this last pool. Holy shit. It was about 3 o'clock, and 
you know, I was, you were kind of debating, like, do we go back to the first pool from the, the first day and see if we can't pull up another big brown or do I get out of here? And I was thinking the whole time, like, we kind of just, we got to get out of here. Like, yeah, because I had to beat the storm on the way back and I was like, I really, I just want to catch one more fish. Just want to catch one more fish. And I was like, I finally got to the point where I'm like, is it really, like, worth it? Like, and you were, we were going over in our heads, like, all right, if we go to the other spot, what time would I approximately be home? And it would be close to like midnight that I would be home. And so we finally made the decision of like, nope, we're going to skip that, that hole that we were at yesterday. Let's just like have a nice chill, like ride back, take our time. I can, you know, I get back to your place, I can pack and get ready and just casually make my way. Well, <laughs> as we're driving back, we go, we actually drive by the hole that we would have fished, and lo and behold, another angler. A fucking another angler is in that hole. So it's like, son of a bitch. I'm glad we. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, we would have passed him anyways. But, but imagine, if we didn't see him. Imagine if we didn't see him and we parked and walked all the way there and saw him. I'd be pissed, dude. That would have just absolutely blown. And we were lucky. You know, the first day was amazing. The second day was. Amazing, given that brown trout, more of a grind for sure. But yeah. we we have definitely have learned when we've succeeded. I guess. Yeah. Like we've hit our pinnacle. Uh, there's times where you know to push the envelope. You know, yeah. there's different trips, different outings, different circumstances where like, oh, we're in this spot for one time only. Like, let's get it done. Well, I know you're coming down again. Like, yeah, those fish are going to be there. Yeah. So we were we I think we made the right decision of getting back. And as we were driving back, I remember you were uh texting what, your cousin who works for plowing or <laughs> Yeah, so my cousin actually works for uh for it, the one of the turnpikes and he was like I texted him, I said, How are the roads? Because he was out plowing the highways. And he's like, They're good right now, but it's it's picking up. And when I was driving back, because when we got back to your place, it was like you ran upstairs, grabbed my stuff, and just threw it in the back of my car. And I was like, peace. See ya. Yeah, because you were perfectly like leaving at the same time the storm's about to hit. Right. So it was a race against the clock. It really was. So I didn't have snow or anything the whole drive back. And I was like, this is, this is fucking awesome. Like, this is great. I cross over into Maine. And just all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? Do you like, expect anything different though? <laughs> no, no. It's like, welcome back to Maine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was like, man. And when I got to like central Maine, holy shit, dude. It was terrible. It Good was, thing we left when we left. It was bad. I didn't get home till like 830 that night. Um, and, you know, stumbling into work the next day is like after driving and fishing the day before. Standing in cold water eight hours for two days. <laughs> takes a lot out of you. Takes a lot out of you. But it was a, I mean, after the first day, I mean, I could have gone day two without catching a fish and I would have been okay with it. I know. I I couldn't have dreamt anything better after that first day. It, would, it was exactly... All the times I texted you, sent you pictures, FaceTimed you, like, oh my God, check this out. You got the experience and I got to see it firsthand and it was fucking amazing. Because we were trying to make the decision of like, we had two rivers that we were like, could go either way today. Like both days we were like, what are we going to do? 
And with my licenses, because when I came down, I had to buy uh, the mass license. And you were like, well, do you buy this license for this state or do you buy the mass license? And I'm like, oh, we'll do it in the morning. Like, And we push everything off and we definitely made the right decisions by far because one, if we went to a new spot, it's a whole new game when yes. you go to a new river. Yes. And personally, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm kind of going to speak for you. I love going to new spots, either on a river I've been to but never fished this particular spot or going to new rivers. And I love learning about it, spending you know multiple trips, figuring out what flies work, what setups work, what water to look for. And if you're going to a spot you've never been before and you don't even know where to park, mm, yes, you're going to lose so much time in the whole trip of one day. So and like, that's, oh, that's time that people overlook because most people are like, oh, well, I got to find the fish. No, you, you don't, you don't even know where to park. Like, you don't know. I've never driven on this road. Do I have right. to go really slow because there's a lot of fucking potholes? Like, you have no idea. Right. There's all these different factors that go into going to a new spot and. Granted, we were on the Allagash, and we went to a completely different part of the state during that trip, and we're able to figure it out on the fly. But the the stars don't only align like that. You well, know? I would also say that daylight only like allows us to do that at that time of year. Like, exactly. We with don't the have, winter. You don't have a lot of time. We have so. eight hours of daylight. You're you're not your best time to fish isn't right at first light either. So like you're already making a late start because the fish don't bite till ten a.m. Right. So there's so many factors working against you where you can make a day out of something you already know mm -hmm. versus forcing something that could be really fun, yeah. but you can equally make it as fun on a different river somewhere you've been before and you can take your friend out and really just have a blast. And for this trip, I didn't catch a fish. I know, dude. So I was driving home and I remember I texted you. I was like, you realize you didn't even catch a fit? You're like, yeah. And I'm perfectly fine with it. I felt like I caught a hundred fish that weekend. <laughs> and there's, there's more to fly fishing than just catching the trout right. or whatever fish you're going after. Like there is, I, I enjoy seeing the process as much as doing the process. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about it in other pods. I love going solo. When I go solo, I can get into grind mode. I can pull out some nice fucking brownies, find some nice honey holes for brookies, get into these crazy areas where then I can take you. And then I'm like, I'm in Zen. We I, don't have to waste time like figuring out those spots. It's like, we know it's down there, but let's try above it and then we'll work down to it or vice versa. But having someone that, you know, you, you, if you want to find new spots, you, d you just need to be open to the idea of you know spending a little time to do it. Mm -hmm. It's all time at the end of the day. And I luckily have a fuck ton of time right now to <laughs> explore some really great waters and be able to take you, yeah. which obviously you don't have nearly as much time as I do, right. to experience that. So like, why, why do I have to worry about catching a fish? You never can come down to this river because you're not you don't have the access to it. And I know everything you need to know to catch a fish out of it. And it's funny because like you said this, I think it was during the recap, the annual recap, which is a good listen, by the way, um, of 2022. And you were like, you're fucking spoiled. 
I was like, uh, what? And you're like, no, you're fucking spoiled. Because every time we go, he's like, I've done these scouts. Like, I'm bringing you to the fucking gold mines and all this. And But in addition, you brought this up last night. And I was like, I'm spoiled in that sense, too, where... The flies I'm using are all the ties that you all the flies that you have tied. And on this on the past couple trips on episode forty two and uh this is episode forty three. No, forty four. Man. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're like, I lost some flies. And last night you showed me some like fly tying videos and you're like, I want you to understand something. You're like Every time you lose a fly, this is how long it took me to tie this fly. Or you're like, this is the process that had to go in to tie this fly. And I was like, oh, fucking A. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't give a fuck about losing flies. But I know, at least but you that, now understand. But now every time I do it, I'm like, oh, shit. That, okay. To you the materials, right the process, the like, Yeah. <laughs> So I'm it, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's more than fine. I've, I've, what's going to be great is in a future pod, I've tied up so many goddamn flies and yeah. they're, you know, we use the Pat's rubber lakes a lot. Boy, did I upgrade. Fuck yeah, you did. And you don't even know what they are. No. It's like this morning I come downstairs and I'm like, well, yeah, here are the extra flies that I'm like looking at the container. I'm like, why is there so many flies in this container? I'm like, and you're saying, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, am I, am I tired? Like, I know I didn't put that many flies in that container. And I look at you, you got like a shit grin. I'm like, did you go through my fucking fly boxes? And you're like, yeah, those are all shit. He's, he's like, hey, and I reorganized them all. I'm like, when? You're like, this morning when you were upstairs making a coffee. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay. But you made a good point. Most guys, and when you first get into fly fishing, you're like, more is better like just have a, lo- a shit ton of flies like but like you mentioned it's important to just just carry the flies you're gonna use yeah so i've i fall into the trap of last year i would go on instagram and i would see like all these commercial fly tires and they have a box just filled with flies and i'm like i want that i want a box just filled to the brim i didn't use half of them so this year, I took out all the ones I didn't like and never used, and I only tied flies that one I know I would use, and two I know they have a proven track record. Mm. So every fly that's in my box, it's not just a hook with fucking thread on it. It is something that I'm going to look at and be like, maybe today I'll try that one, yeah. and that completely changes your outlook. If you're carrying a hundred flies and fifty of them. You really, you'd always look past them. Why the fuck are they in there? Right. There's no need. If you use like my go-to fly, Pat's rubber legs, why would I have 50 flies taking up all this space when I could have five of those sitting right there? Exactly. Or if I want- those flies are not small. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> huge. Or a guy's choice. I know that works. Why do I have all these other ones that are- Right. That don't really have a proven track record or they look like shit too. Like I've tied flies and I've gone a lot better as a tire. I know like this hook's way too fucking big. Like what am I doing? Or this hook's way too small or this has like a slight bend in it. Like why do I have it in there? Mm-hmm. Just put stuff that's going to be used in there. Like I've actually cleaned out my fly vest of shit that I carried. Like I never use this. Mm-hmm. I never will use this. Like 7X Tippet. 
I'm not fishing a Colorado tailwater <laughs> with a fucking Euro rod. Why am I carrying this right now? So yeah, don't waste time with shit that you're not going to use. Right. Just have what you need, have what you want, and it's just going to be way better off. Mm-hmm. And one last thing before we kind of wrap this up. Talking about flies. If I were to nymph and I could only have five flies, it would probably be some stone fly, like a Pat's rubber legs, a D-rib, yep. PT stone, copper stone, whatever. I would have a midge. Oh, obviously. And I would have a various midges. I would have a pertagon, like an attractor. I would have a an emerger, so like a guide's choice, a beadhead pheasant tail, anything that looks like it's about to emerge. And then I would have a pheasant tail, uh, just a plain pheasant tail with the beadhead. You, you can get into the absolute weeds of all the different types of everything. Those are like I've listed some particular flies, but those are like five categories. That's all you have to kind of worry about. You don't have to worry about the Manhattan Midge or the Rainbow Warrior. You can make a very simple fly or buy a very simple fly. Kind of covers all your bases. Yeah, and you're not wasting all this space in your box and wasting all this money on shit that you're probably never going to use. Right. Well, it's like when I got to your place and it was like I. Fu- you fulfilled my order demand of <laughs> filling my fly boxes. And I was like, ah, sweet. And you're like, these are the new ones though of your fly box. And I was like, what are those? You're and like, you still haven't seen the new, new no, ones. no, I haven't. No, no. And I was initially, I was not pissed, but I was like, I, I was like, Did you bring, you, last night you said this, you're like, I didn't bring my fly boxes. I'm like, what the hell? You're like, I want you to see them in action. I'm like, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. these these new flies, and we're going to talk about in later pods. Boy, have they been successful. You know, every time we've done a recap, all the ones we've recorded recently, I talk about Pat's Rubber Legs, PT Stone, Copper Stone, Guy's Choice. Mm-hmm. Haven't used any of them. <laughs> <laughs> all new ones. <laughs> And they all look really sick. I wish I had a better camera to take a photo of them and post them because the, the actual picture of the fly on my iPhone, it just, you don't really get the contours. You don't really get the good look of it. But Maybe that will be something new that Grip and Grin acquires. Yeah, definitely not right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but uh, that's going to wrap up this episode, folks. Um, more to come. Uh, we're looking at some more fly fishing. I... It's so, so weird. And one last thing before we sign off. I would say it's kind of tough in Maine and some other New England states, but I used to really fucking hate February and March. I've really found something to do during that time period where I'm not like, oh my God, I need spring. I need spring. Like, obviously I want spring. I would love to throw a dry We all do. (laughs) We all do. But if you put a little work in and you like fly fishing, you can make it happen. And I've learned that this year. What I've learned is that with these outings, you know, say day two of our grind on this, on this episode, those grinds of when you're cold, it's slow fishing, it's windy, makes you appreciate those other days in the spring or summer when conditions are 
Perfect. They're absolutely perfect. Throwing dry flies. It's nice and warm. There's no bugs. Makes you appreciate those days that much more. Exactly. And it's a time to hone your skills. Yeah. The amount I've learned in January of 2023 alone could trump all of last winter, all of this past fall, all of the previous 2021. Yep. Just in one month. Yep. But there, there's always more. There is. Um, but like we said, more more fly fishing coming. Um, maybe some fly tying by you in the next episode. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've, I've hinted at it. There's there's a lot that's changed in my box that we can talk about. Uh, I'll say uh, uh, there's some ice fishing, but... Um, well, we're hoping to work on that, but we'll see. <laughs> well, or you. I'm not well, working on that at there, all. I would say there's, there's some. There's some, but... Uh, whew. We'll we'll get into that on the next one. On the yeah. next one. But yeah. as always <laughs> as always folks, get in the woods. And get on the water.